0: To get started, just fill out a brief questionnaire that matches you up with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Take a moment. Visit BetterHelp.com slash FilmDaily today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com film FilmDaily. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slash Film Daily for Friday, May 31st, 2019. On today's episode, we're going to be talking about our favorite pieces of entertainment of 2019 so far. My name is Ben Pearson. I'm the senior writer at SlashFilm.com, and I am joined on today's podcast by SlashFilm managing editor Jacob Hall. Hello, hello. Weekend editor Brad Oman. Hey, that's me. And writer y Bowie.
1: Hey, everyone.
0: So, guys, the news is just a barren wasteland. Uh, There's nothing out there really worth talking about. So I threw out the idea to the group or or the the prompt to the group to try to come up with ideas for what we should talk about today. And, Jacob, you came up with the idea to discuss our favorite pieces of entertainment of 2019 so far. Do you want to give some parameters about, uh, you know, what we're going to be talking about?
2: Yeah, every June Slash Film Staff does a list of our top 10 favorite movies of the year so far. And it's always fun to see how that changes by the end of the year. Uh, But since today is the post Memorial Day holiday hangover where no news is happening, uh, we decided we'll, you know, maybe prime that a little bit. We'll talk about our favorite movies, but also some of our favorite TV uh, and maybe something else beyond film and TV based on the list of things I'm looking at. So this is just a sort of a. Let's let's call it the Slash Films catch up with these before the, the back
0: half 2019 list. Yeah, I think that's fair to say. Uh, so I think what we're gonna do is um, all of us have three options and then three runners up. I think maybe what we should do is uh, we'll cycle through it where each of us talks about one of our three options in a you know uh, one after the other and then when we're all done counting down those three, um, each of us will talk about all three of our runner ups runners up at once. Um, so let's kick it off with Jacob. What is your first thing on your list?
2: My first thing is the absolute best thing I've seen in 2019 so far, and I can recommend it with a few caveats based on just who you are as a person. And that is HBO's Chernobyl, uh, written and created and showrun by Craig Mazin, a writer before this who may who wrote only like R-rated raunchy comedies, and directed by Johan Rink. And this was a five this is a five episode miniseries. Uh, as I'm rec- as recording this, the first four episodes have aired. And I was interested in this after they started like uh, selling this heavily during the Game of Thrones final season. And I had to check out the first episode on a whim because our own Chris Evangelista also really liked it. But I've been increasingly bowled over by this series. It covers in great detail the meltdowns of a nuclear reactor in Chernobyl in the Soviet Union in 1986 and the aftermath and cleanup. And this show has really revealed how little I knew about Chernobyl and how little American media especially has uh, understood what what happened here and why it left such a a massive national scar on the Soviet Union and Russians and people in Eastern Europe for, for decades and decades to come. It goes so far beyond just a disaster and into the absolute nightmare of cleaning up and not a nightmare in like a bureaucratic way, although that is also there, but just the genuinely hellish experience of of what had to go down and jared harris and stellan skarsgard star as the two men running the operation of cleanup who have to make increasingly dire horrible morally uh questionable decisions to help save the world because that's how bad it gets and then episode four which aired this week i said this i said this on twitter and i've had days to ruminate on it but i think it's the single most upsetting thing i've ever seen on television uh Maybe even on film in general, it is. It's set months after the initial disaster, and it follows the various crews who are tasked with the real heavy-duty, hard work and and the thing and certain specific crews tasked with things that no human should be asked to do. And it, it, it 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 pained me to watch it. It is one of the most harrowing and difficult to understand hours of tv i've seen and difficult to understand that i can't comprehend as a human being being forced to do what the men and women had to do and how soberly the show presents it and with such empathy for all involved it is a genuine accomplishment it may be one of the best things hbo has ever aired and if you have a stomach for it and i and if you if you don't that's okay uh, this is a must see it is one of the achievements of the year
0: Wow, yeah, that is very, very high praise, and uh, I, I've been putting this one off because I've heard that it's super depressing. And I mean, your <laughs> description of it there has not really um, done anything to offset that uh, expectation. But um, your uh, your praise there, and, and the idea that I mean, it, there's so much quality beyond just the um, the way that it makes you feel, is uh, hopefully going to be enough to get a lot of people to check this out. So yeah, it's, um, it's
2: miserable, but it's not like it. It's not like it's not exciting. And that's that's a weird thing is that. I, this is going to be a really odd comparison and maybe something that may sound weird coming out of my mouth. But in the way that Steven Spielberg uh, did, did with Shinna's List, where he took a three hour long Holocaust movie but made sure you were kind of gripped by it even as it tore your heart out, I think Chernobyl walks a very similar line where it's not just about punishing you, it's about um, putting you in the, in, the, in the shoes of the people involved without making it a slog, which is so difficult and they, and they pulled off. All right, uh, HT.
0: Let's move to you. What's your first choice?
3: Uh, my first choice is John Wick: Chapter Three, Parabellum, uh, a film that an action film that I dearly love, and that I, I went to see a total of three times, and uh, it just it rules every single time that I saw it. I think this will <laughs> be a movie that um, stays on my top. Uh, 15, do we do a top 10 or top 15? I can't remember anymore. Uh, uh, top 15. <laughs> top 15 uh, movies of 2019 list, because uh, uh, despite, you know, some of its story flaws in the latter half of the film, the first 20 minutes are just the pinnacle of action filmmaking. And it may drop off from there, but I don't think that it drops off in enjoyment or how it just kind of sweeps you along the entire time and I love that this is a film and this is a franchise that truly understands where all of its um, how to use and utilize all of its brilliant character actors uh, Keanu Reeves in particular but also um, supporting players like um, Lance Reddick, Mark Tocascus, Ian McShane who are just excellent in this film and having the time of their lives Halle Berry as well is just so fun in this and um I wrote a big piece about the action language of uh the John Wick franchise in general I really love how this is kind of bringing a new um or rather uh, an, a type of action filmmaking that is very familiar with people who watch um you know east asian uh martial arts films to hollywood and it's so dynamic and so much more interesting than what we're seeing in um, a lot of hollywood blockbusters and action films so i just um i love john wick it's so good and uh it's just such a thrill to watch the, the three times that i've seen it so and i and yeah it's great um I didn't
0: realize you've seen it three times already. HT. I mean, I think that alone probably you know catapulted up to the the top of your it list. It really just for did. That well,
3: the fact that I didn't get tired of it any three times really proved that it's just a movie that uh, I don't know want to say touched me because I don't know if that's the right word for it, but really you know struck a chord with me. Yeah, yeah.
0: Um, Brad, how about you? What's your the first one on your list?
1: Uh, the first one on mine is uh, right out of the gate. I just have to go with Avengers Endgame. Um, you know, this was a movie that I was really excited to see. And there was a lot riding on it you know, with you know 21 films leading up to it. And it just stuck the landing so well for me. Uh, for being a three-hour, three-hour movie, I've seen it three times. I, I would like to see it one more time before it leaves theaters. And it was great every single time. It doesn't drag. Uh, it, it earns... Every, you know every moment it goes for, in, in my opinion. I know some people have complained about certain elements not really working for them, but I feel like it does the be- uh, Anthony and Joe Russo um, and and the writers just do the best with every, every moving piece in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, uh, completing arcs that started in you know franchise starters with Iron Man and Thor and Captain America, and it's just this fantastic, unprecedented, epic, entertaining. Uh, moving culmination of all these different superhero movies, and I, uh, it's definitely one of my favorite theatrical experiences I've I've ever had. Just it's uh, you know the highs and lows as far as just your emotions and excitement you feel and uh, sadness at times and you know laughter as well. It's just uh, to me there this it's hard to have a a better blockbuster experience I think than Avengers Endgame.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that's
1: that's all um, pretty level headed and and pretty fair, even though, you know, a lot of
0: us uh, and especially you, Brad, are like big fans of a lot of what the MCU has been doing. But I I think this one, you know, um, I I think this movie really earns all the praise that it got. Like they really went out of their way to make sure that this film uh, landed on an emotional level, as well as all of the the spectacular action stuff that, that we've come to expect from these movies. And I think they just pulled it off really, really beautifully. So even people who are maybe like rolling their eyes at the MCU, I mean, if you've seen all of these movies, it's, it's like impossible to deny that Endgame game just like works on such a fundamental level. So, um, all right. So for me, I think my, uh, my first pick is going to be Russian doll, which is the show on Netflix that uh, debuted in February. And um, there's only like what, eight, episodes of the show and they're all half hour episodes. So it's not like um, a huge time commitment. If you guys have not seen Russian doll, I'd highly, highly recommend it. it's uh, Natasha Leone who um, has, you know, been around for a while. And I, I know her primarily from her work on orange is the new black, but this show puts her at the forefront in a really fascinating way. And it's sort of like, you think that it's going to be sort of like a, a typical groundhog day sort of premise where this one woman um, relives the same, night over and over again on her uh, 36th birthday but it um the show sort of pivots away from that a little bit and or it doesn't pivot away from that it it makes it complicates that and and makes that premise more interesting in a way that we haven't seen in movies like Groundhog Day and those that are, have sort of followed that formula before um at the end of i think it's the second or third episode something happens that um, introduce it sort of throws a wrench into what you expect the, the show is going to be. And um, I love that twist. I'm not going to reveal what it is here in case people haven't had time to to carve out to watch this yet. But um, the whole first season is on Netflix right now. I, I can't recommend it highly enough. It's created by Natasha Lyonne and Amy Poehler and um, Leslie Headland, And just seeing these three women um, basically be given free reign by Netflix to come up with a project where Leon is at the forefront and, you know, make like a, a great New York city story with her at the center of it. And for them to really knock it out of the park with this, um, it it was just so pleasurable to watch. And uh, I had no idea what was going to happen. I loved the characters. I loved watching Natasha Leon sort of like foul mouthed uh, as she was just sort of like blast her way through this show. And there's like a surprising amount of drama and, um, and gravitas to it, as well as you know, the show being like really, really, really funny too. So that's Russian Doll. It's on Netflix right now. Um, Jacob, uh, ben, what, I, have a, yes? I have a question about this show
2: because I, I love this show too, but I feel like, for example, I talk about Chernobyl, which is airing week to week, so it's constantly in my mind. Whereas I watched and loved Russian Doll in like two sittings. I feel like it's done a disservice to it in the month since I like it hasn't lived with me for as long. Um, would you recommend people binge this or would, would
0: you recommend they sort of space it out, maybe take your time with it? Oh, that is a really, really good question, because I feel I mean, I, and I, I don't I don't know because I only had my experience of which was binging it basically over. I think we watched it in like a weekend, um, the first weekend it was released. And I loved that experience. And, and I think the momentum of of this particular story is um, is better served in a binging experience. And it seems like they designed it that way, like specifically for Netflix. It wasn't just, um, you know, I, I think that that speaks to like the 30 minute episodes and the fact that there's only eight they didn't it stretches out into 13 just to like fill time or anything. I think this is like a very uh, purposefully constructed show. Um, I binged it and really loved that experience. But yeah, you're right. I mean, if you do that early in the year, the chances are there's so much other stuff out there that you're gonna watch that maybe you're gonna forget about this. But um it's also short enough that maybe you could just rewatch it. And and I think there's a there's probably a lot I haven't rewatched it myself yet, but I might. Um and I think there's probably a lot to pick up on a second time around for a show like this too. So um I don't know. I, I guess I would recommend binging it, but um <laughs> but yeah just maybe try to keep it in mind as much as you can as the as the year goes on and um I, I don't know it's something that's stuck with me um even if i i have lost some of the specifics of it but just the the overall vibe of the show has really um left a mark on me so uh jacob what is your second pick uh, my
2: first one was the favorite tv of the year my second one is the favorite film of the year so far that's jordan peel's us we have devoted a lot of time to this podcast to talking about us, so I'll be brief. I think this movie is if Get Out was saying, hey, Jordan Peels is really interesting, this is him saying, Oh, he's gonna be interesting for some time yet. The, the blend of horror, comedy, satire, it's it's almost an impossible balance and so few people have pulled it off. And in fact, this movie can be this rousing audience experience, but also have us devote literally hours to talking about what it means and what it represents is a testament to the craft on display here. And hope Jordan Peele makes another horror movie every three years
0: until he chooses to stop because all power to him forever. Yeah, this movie is so great. Uh, I was really considering putting it on my list. I ended up trying to shape my list on today's podcast to not have any crossover with anybody else's. So I don't think that's going to be the case when we do our you know actual favorite lists coming up um, in what was that next month? I think it's you said we do that typically in June. Is that right? Yeah, around end of June, around the uh, halfway mark of the year, we'll all do have some actual official printed lists we can talk about. Yeah, so because I, I knew you were going to mention that one, I, I specifically left us off my list. But uh, spoiler alert, it's going to be there on my top 10 or top 15 uh, when next month rolls around. So I, I'm um, in the
3: same boat, too, because I absolutely loved us. And um, I didn't include it in my top three this for today's podcast, but it's going to be in my top 15 movies.
0: Awesome. Uh, HG, what is your number two piece of entertainment from Uh, 2019?
3: My number two piece of entertainment, I talked about on the water cooler this um, mm, Tuesday. Uh, It's Fleabag, the Phoebe Waller-Bridge created and starring series that is currently... That just finished its second season on Amazon Prime. Um, this is a painfully funny, painfully perfect character drama that has just sat with me ever since I finished it and kind of. I'm still kind of wrecked from it. It's um, a show that is so well written and so deeply felt and how. and perfectly cast in every way that um, I want to go back and rewatch already. It's, um, it's so short. It's only. 6 episodes per season and 2 seasons and that supposedly is the end of it too. And having such an abrupt sort of ending and one that really kind of not leaves you in I guess it kind of leaves you in the lurch but in, in a way that's very satisfying and kind of I keep saying perfect but it is. Um but it follows Phoebe Waller-Bridge as the titular flea bag, a sort of self-destructive woman who acts out Um, by having a lot of meaningless sex and uh, tries to um, cope with her dysfunctional family. And it is just an incredible show that I want one of you guys to watch um so we can talk about it because it's it's so fantastic. Chris I know has seen it and he loved it as well. He's all away at the Overlook um festival at the moment. But um I think that this is a show that, you know, despite me going in for very shallow reasons, aka a hot priest played by Andrew Scott and the romantic storylines that take place in the show it really is such a incisive and perceptive uh, character drama and um, I will say you know even the romantic storylines too um, are so well done and um, the the chemistry between Andrew Scott and Phoebe Waller-Bridge are just it's just so palpable it's like radiating off their skin so I um, I totally I completely recommend this show to any of you guys and um, it may be because I just finished watching it and it's still on my mind but I think that this will be a show that will be on my mind for a long time
0: awesome yeah this is definitely I mean it's been bumped up in my queue because of you and Chris and everybody else talking about it online so I'm, I'm really looking forward to diving into this um, Brad what is the second entry for you?
1: The second entry for me is a movie that I saw at Sundance, and we uh, talked about it on our Sundance episode after the festival was over and we recounted our best of the fest, and it's called The Farewell. Uh, it's written and directed by Lulu Wang, and it follows this uh, Chinese family who learns that their grandmother only has a short while left to live, So, but rather than actually tell her uh, that she's going to die soon, they decide to put on a fake wedding so that they can all uh, return home and say goodbye to her uh, without her really knowing it. And that sounds a little bit depressing, but this movie is really funny uh, and really charming. Uh, Aquafina stars in it as, as the main character. Uh, and she's the one who kind of feels a little bit weird about, uh, you know, lying to uh, their, her grandmother um, about this whole situation. But it's uh, it, it is such a great movie. And uh, the, some of the, the cultural aspects kind of reminded me of my, uh, the, on the Mexican side of my family, my my grandmother. Uh, and it really just struck a, a, a chord in my heart and really uh, pulled at my heartstrings. Um, and I actually, I was recently reminded about just how much I love this movie because I played the trailer uh, for my girlfriend because I hadn't shown it to her yet. Um, and actually just recently, uh, my grandma on my dad's side of the family had passed away. And so, like, it just, I remembered watching the movie and just, like, all the the kind of warm feelings you get about your family and just like the love that you have, but you know, between them. And it just reminded me how much I, I loved it. So I'm, I'm really excited to see it again. It comes out on July 12th this summer, so uh, seek it out if you can. It'll probably be in limited theaters first and then hopefully spread around so that a lot of people can see it because it's, uh, it's a really, really good movie. Awesome.
3: I'm so excited about that movie. I Every time I watch the trailer, I, start, I get emotional enough that I start tearing up. So I think that this movie will leave me in a sobbing mess.
1: Oh yeah, it'll it'll pull tears right from your face. <laughs>
3: <laughs> put
0: that on the,
1: on the poster <laughs>
0: um yeah I, I think i just like right before we started recording this i just uh, rsvp for a screening for that in um like um, the middle of june or something so i'm, I'm excited for that and i know that uh, a lot of people are too because this movie got a lot of buzz coming out of sundance it sounds like all of that was deserved um for me my second entry is also a movie that i saw at sundance it is called paradise hills um this is a movie from alice waddington and uh it the Uh, description on imdb says a mysterious boarding school perfectly reforms wayward girls to fit their surroundings exact desires and this movie stars uh, isaac gonzalez emma roberts aquafina a bunch of other people um mila jovovich plays the sort of um like uh like domineering like uh, her character's name is the Duchess and she's like the uh, overseer of this bizarre facility that these women wake up on. And the reason I love this movie so much, I mean, the story is, is very cool. And it's like um, it's about these women who are anytime they try to express themselves, they are repressed by the society around them. And, and this facility is basically just trying to uh, sand off all of the interesting edges of them and and sort of present them back into the world as the versions that uh, the patriarchy wants them to be basically. And it's about these girls sort of um, rebelling against that notion, but the visuals in in this movie are incredible. I mean, I don't know if you guys, I think I've mentioned this before on the the Sundance episode of the podcast that you talked about, Brad, but um, if you guys have seen out there, if you've seen uh, Tarson Singh's movie, the fall from, I think it was 2006, that is like, one of the most visually stunning movies I've ever seen. And this film reminded me of that in the production design and the cinematography, just the, the vibe of the movie, the the visual language that is used. It, it really is like one of those kinds of movies that I left thinking, um, that movies are that that film is a visual medium and this movie really took full advantage of that. So I I can't wait for you guys to see it. It's the colors are just outstanding. And um, there are some images in this that are just burned into my brain, even from seeing it in January and it's halfway through the year right now. So uh, I know that this one is, it's gotten picked up. I think the Samuel Goldwyn company is supposed to be releasing it later this year. They don't have an exact release date for it. uh, The last time I checked, but um, I know it's going to get a release this year. So hopefully, uh, people will be able to check that out. It's called Paradise Hills. Um, so, Jacob, let's move to you for your third entry. What is it? We talked about
2: this a little bit earlier in the week, so I'll be brisk on this one. This is Olivia Wilde's Book Smart, a movie that none of you out there in podcast land went and saw last weekend because it bombed, or maybe all of you saw it and were the only ones who did see it. But I, <laughs> I was at the world premiere at South by Southwest, and this movie is uh, I'm just going to say it one of the best high school comedies ever made. It is. Very much of its time, it feels really tied to 2019 and what it means to be a teenager in this era. So I can't necessarily directly relate to the actual events, but I can relate to the emotions and the awkwardness and the feeling of being a really exceptionally good academic student who realizes, oh, you've wasted your high school years um, not having as many friends or having as fun as you should have. And, of course, that's all the impetus you need for the two main characters, but, but Beanie Feldstein and Caitlin Deaver to go on this wild high school pre-graduation trip uh, to go to a really cool party they weren't invited to. And it's just a lot of heart, a lot of fun, a lot of gags, a lot of really good-natured R-rated comedy. And I'll get this in my in my honorable mentions as well, but there's a, a wave coming out of Southwest, Southwest uh, this year of R-rated comedies that were, are as raunchy as anything you could have seen before, uh, but do so without... Belittling anyone, or talking down to anyone, or you know, or, or being offensive toward you know groups who don't deserve to be made fun of. I mean, this is the rare high school comedy where there are prominent gay characters who um, whose sexuality is always present, but not but not used as a joke. And I think that's compared to like pretty much anything from the '80s um, from this subgenre, and that's such a huge step up. And I think it's proof that you can be as r-rated and as filthy as you want, and not have to you know belittle anyone. Which is something that I'm very happy to see because I love, 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 love my offensive comedy. But I also feel like you can be R-rated without having to punch down.
3: Booksmart's
0: yeah. great. Booksmart is fantastic. That's it. That's it. <laughs> All right, uh, HT. What about you? What's your third pick? Uh,
3: my third pick is Shazam, which is the superhero movie that maybe that no one really is talking about this year, but is a movie that I dearly loved, and um, I felt when I watched it. Uh, in theaters both times, uh, just gave me a jolt of pure joy. Um, It was a movie that um, reminded me a lot of how, why and how I fell in love with superheroes as a genre in the first place. I feel like it was the purest um, embodiment of uh, what it the joy of being a superhero and it's the first time in a while since probably Sam Raimi's Spider-Man in which we see a character truly have fun being a superhero and that um, is played really well by Zachary Levi who does an excellent job playing the uh, child stuck in adult superhero's body. You probably all know the story. It's basically big but as a superhero movie it stars um, Zachary Levi as uh, the hero that um, uh, Billy... um, Billy Batson Billy Batson, yes turns into when he says the magic words Shazam and uh it's not a perfect movie but it's a movie that really just uh touched struck a chord with me again uh, emotionally and um I had just a blast watching it the entire time
0: man I was not expecting Shazam to be on this list yeah. so I'm, I'm glad you're going for it though HT you gotta you know you gotta stand up for what you love so yes. <laughs> uh Brad what is your third pick
1: uh, my third pick uh, lines up with Jacobs as well. Couldn't help but do a crossover uh, because it's book smart, and uh, it should say something that I put it uh, on this list since I only just recently saw it, and I just loved it that much that I put it up here above anything else, uh, mostly anything else that I loved the rest of the year. Uh, Jacobs said a lot of what I love about this movie. Um, it it really is just this this quintessential depiction of uh, what high school has become today, and how just the you know the the population, as far as like how uh, diverse and uh, inclusive it is, has changed, but also it really hasn't changed in the way we deal with things, as far as uh, you know, awkward relationships and you know, uh, falling in, falling in love for the first time, and dealing with our best friends who sometimes do things that uh, annoy us and that we have to deal with, but don't always confront. And uh, there's just all these great things that just uh, are perfectly representative of what it's like to be a teenager at any time, but also especially uh, during this time. Um, it, is, it is, at the same time, very relevant and timely of today's culture, but also timeless in how it depicts uh, just life as a teenager in general. And I, I would watch so many movies with Beanie Feldstein and Caitlin Deaver because they they feel like this season comedy duo. They're um, every bit as good as uh, Jonah Hill and Michael and Super in Superbad. Um, you know, and I just, yeah, I would, I would love to see more of them, them doing stuff like this, doing comedies, um, and especially Olivia Wilde too as a director. She obviously has an eye for filmmaking and comedy, and I hope that she gets to do a lot more in the future. Uh, you know, even though Booksmart obviously is in this huge blockbuster hit, I, I think the quality of this movie proves that she deserves to have uh, another chance at making movies like this.
0: Yeah, totally agreed. This movie rules. Go see it, people. Please go see it while it's still in theaters. This movie is is really great. Yeah.
1: Um, so for me, Brad, you were talking
0: about for Avengers Endgame, how it's like one of your favorite theatrical experiences. And for me, my third pick, which is The Perfection, which is on Netflix, uh, is one of my favorite at home movie uh, experiences this year, because I knew nothing about this movie going in other than the fact that like Jacob and uh, some other film festival people who had seen it, you know, early we uh, were we're really um sort of taken with this movie and so i knew almost nothing about it i mean i talked about it earlier this week on the the water cooler so i'm not going to really go deep on it and i spe- especially don't want to get into what actually happens in this movie because i feel like that stuff is you know that that's the reason that i had such a great experience with it is because i didn't watch a trailer i didn't really know anything about it um and i think uh, Allison williams who is in this movie and God, I was about to say something that I feel like would give something away. So I'm just, I'm going to try to be uh, as blank as possible and just say that Allison Williams is great in this film. Logan Browning, who is a name that you might not know, but she's the lead in dear white people, which is a really, really terrific uh, Netflix show that everybody should be watching and probably isn't at this point, but um, she is uh, I mean, they have such great chemistry in this movie and the dynamic of their relationship is so fascinating and there's so many like batshit twists and turns that happen in this film. Um yes, I don't want to say anything more than that, but it's the perfection. Uh HT, I really, really want you to watch this movie. Hopefully you'll have a chance to check it out soon so we can talk about it because um maybe that's an episode we can do next week or something like a a deep dive into this movie where Yeah, I'll check it out this weekend
3: because you guys have been raving about it so much and um Jacob's uh, description of it is just very enticing to me.
2: Yeah, I'll, I'll say uh, as much. I'm a seasoned festival film go, uh, seasoned genre festival film goer. I've seen some of the most depraved, crazy, insane international cinema you've ever seen. I sit down at Fantastic Fest every year, waiting to find something that like jolts me. And to perfection, about thirty five, forty minutes in, something happens, and then you go almost out loud say what. I find myself saying <laughs> what every five minutes for the rest of the movie. Um, I was, it's been a long time since an American movie made me say what as many times as the perfection did.
0: Yeah, it's a lot of fun. I mean, it's like kind of trashy, but in the best possible way. And it's like, there's so much style and, um, Uh, Yeah, man, I really like this movie a lot. So anyway, that's The Perfection. It's on Netflix right now, and I would encourage everybody to check it out. So uh, really quickly, before we wrap up, let's go through our runners-up. And we don't have to go as long on these as we did uh, as our our traditional entries. But, um, Jacob, tell me what your runners-up are and why you love them.
2: Uh, The Perfection. uh, I understand the the criticism some people have for this movie. But, oh, man, it is... It is an experience I will never forget, and I will champion it it for the rest of my writing life. See it. We'll talk about it later, hopefully next week. Fingers crossed. Uh, Second up, Good Boys. It doesn't come out until July, I believe, by Solid World Premiere at South by Southwest. And this movie is, like Booksmart, an incredibly foul, filthy, R-rated comedy that is so deeply sweet and empathetic and concerned for its characters. But instead of teenage girls, it is... Uh, 10-year-old boys, and oh my goodness, this movie's funny, guys. It has the single funniest line of dialogue of 2019. I will be fighting hard for a single line of dialogue to make our top 10 best moments of the year list at the end of this year. That's how much, that's how much I still laugh at one line of dialogue from this movie. That's good, <laughs> boys. And finally, uh, Barry, season 2. We've talked about it already on the show, so I'll just say, once again, if Breaking Bad was a brilliant crime drama with comedy in it, this is a comedy with a brilliant crime drama in it. And it is proof that the half hour formula does not necessarily limit you to cheap, you know, sitcom theatrics. This is a crown jewel of modern HBO. And if you haven't caught up in Barry, only 16 episodes now, only, only all of them half hour long. This is your chance. Get caught up. You will thank me later. Yes. HT, what about your runners
0: up?
3: My runners-up are Smart, which has had many things said already on this podcast. It's great. I love it. I love every person on this cast and the director. Um, it's destined for the High School Comedies Classics Club. And uh, I want, can't wait to see it again. Um, and then my last two runners-up are something that are kind of just more nostalgic for me, but I'm um, just really excited that I got to experience slash witness them this year. First of which is the Fruits Basket reboot, uh, which I talked about on another water cooler a while ago, the reboot of the anime slash an adaptation of the manga that um, basically is a, a more beautiful and photorealistic adaptation of this series that was really formative for me growing up, and um, I can't wait to see the entire thing play out. It has some gorgeous, breathtaking animation, and um, I am so excited to see the rest of it. Um, And then Kingdom Hearts, which is a series, a a video game that um, I was waiting for a long time and didn't quite uh, match up to my expectations, but uh, Kingdom Hearts 3 really was such a um, special experience for me to play um, on the PS4 and I'm so happy that it finally came out. I'm still devoted as uh, to this um, video game franchise and uh, despite some of the shortcomings of the plot which I feel like could have been remedied by a few just a few tweaks um, uh, this is another uh, series that's very special to me and um, I'm happy that I got to play it.
0: H. E. was it a surreal experience for you being able to actually play Kingdom Hearts 3 instead of just watching the cutscenes like you did for a lot of the previous games?
3: It really was. It was... um... I mean, although one of the criticisms that I have with this game is that a lot of it is cutscenes and that the gameplay is a little too easy so that you just kind of end up playing for a little bit and then watching like 10 minutes of cutscenes. But it was surreal to finally be able to play this game and to uh, just reacquaint myself with these characters again that I, uh, you know, grew up uh, playing with. Some a franchise that I started when I was, I think, in sixth grade. So, um, yeah, it was surreal and I'm just happy. I was happy to... Uh, to play it and just revisit these Disney worlds and uh these anime characters again uh so yeah it was um it it was great
0: did it leave with I forget what you probably mentioned this already Mm -hmm. did it leave off with like a cliffhanger or is there any talk of a a sequel coming out and do you think that's going to be like another 10 years or whatever before that happens
3: yeah probably there's going to be a sequel (laughs) um but it was a very satisfying ending this was the end of this saga, so it's, um, it brought an end to the saga in you know, like a really satisfying way, but it also left the door open for a new story, um, possibly with our same characters coming back again, but something that's um, going to be starting from scratch, essentially, with some foreshadowing that's happened in the past games.
0: Awesome. Uh, Brad, what are your runners-up, and why did you love them?
1: Uh, my runners-up are, um, I have another Sundance movie on here called Blinded by the Light, um, it is a great coming-of-age movie that's basically like the uh, spiritual successor sister to Sing Street. Uh, it feature prominently features the music of Bruce Springsteen, and as somebody who is not a big Bruce Springsteen fan, I can tell you it doesn't matter. The music just works very well as a, a general inspirational thing for the main character of this movie, who is a uh, Pakistani teen living in the UK during a time when there was a lot of prejudice against them as, as people in the country. Um, And this movie is directed by uh, Gurinder Chadha, who previously directed Bend It Like Beckham. It is um, just a a great, uplifting, uh, fantastic coming-of-age movie. Definitely worth seeing uh, when it comes out uh, later this summer. Um, I believe in August is when it comes out here in the U.S., if that's... I think that's right. Um, And then I also put um, the new Lonely Island Unauthorized Bash Mm -hmm. Brothers experience on here. Uh, I love the Lonely Island. I, I think that what they do is borders on comic genius. Um, I'm a big pop star fan. And this surprise 27-minute uh, visual poem that is their crazy, wild, lonely island version of Lemonade centered around Jose Canseco and Mark McGuire in 1988, just the idea itself sounds so ludicrous. Uh, the experience of watching it is just as much, if not more so. It is just an absolute insane Acid trip of uh, their funny rap and music video production quality, uh, great cameos, and it's just it's just such a, a weird original idea. I just I love watching every minute of it. That's available on Netflix right now. And then uh, my uh, third runner-up is a bit of a weird one, um, but it's the extended trailer for Fast and Furious presents Hobbs and Shaw.
3: <laughs> I mean that trailer is art, so. The trailer
1: is a, is a movie and a roller coaster ride in and of itself. I have watched this trailer more than a dozen times by now, I think.'ve I've shown it to different people because they hadn't seen it yet, and they're like, they're like, really? and I'm like, trust me, like this trailer is amazing. And like they're laughing and just loving it the whole way through. and I, I haven't gotten sick of this trailer yet. it's uh, it's cut fantastically well. The music that's used in it is awesome. Uh, it's big, it's it's bombastic, it, it's everything that I want this movie to be. And it feels even just more ludicrous than your average Fast and Furious movie. Um, so yeah, I, I love this trailer. I, I feel like it's one of my favorite trailers that I have seen ever. It's just cool and ridiculous and, and so fun.
2: <laughs> one of yeah. our writers uh, recently moved to Hawaii, and she says that... Uh, every time the trailer plays in a Hawaiian movie theater, the audience
0: loses their minds when it cuts to the back (laughs) half with The Rock going home.
1: (laughs) That's great.
0: (laughs) Oh, man. Yeah, I'm right there with you, Brad. I hope that this trailer, I hope that the movie lives up to the promise of that trailer because it really, I mean, you can, I I feel like you can watch, even if you've seen that trailer a bunch of times, right, and you're sort of sick of the whole thing, the trailer is like, it's artful, it's so artfully cut that by the time, it gets to the end. It's sort of worn you down. You have this big goofy smile on your face. Like it's impossible not to with the rock doing all the ridiculous shit at the end of that trailer. So, Oh man, that's a lot of fun. Um, for me, my three runners up are, uh, pen 15, which I talked about very, very recently, like earlier this week. So I'm not really going to say more, more about that. It's on Hulu. It's a, a show about, um these two like 31 year old women who are playing versions of themselves in high school and or uh, yeah or junior high middle school i think it is yeah um and they are the only people who are that old and everybody else is actually played by like middle school age kids. And it's just a, a really um, refreshing coming of age comedy that that's told from a perspective that you don't really see that often. So it's really great. It's on Hulu right now. Um, the other one is uh, I Think You Should Leave, which we also talked about not too long ago. Um, this is the show that's created by Tim Robinson. It's on Netflix. It is also very, very short and it's made up of uh, tons of different sketches and you know if you're somebody who has been watching saturday night live and sort of f- has found um yourself growing a little bit impatient with the length of some of those sketches um but you like the idea of a sketch show like that this is probably the um the <laughs> remedy to your, the, you know the the cure to what you're looking for because there even if you stumble across a really bad sketch On something like SNL, sometimes bad sketches can feel like they last forever and it just seems like interminable that you're just like sitting through this thing waiting for it to be done. But on, I think you could, uh, or I think you should leave, um, even the bad ones go by really, really quickly and there's always something new right around the corner, so... Uh there's some really hilarious stuff in here that I've been thinking about ever since I've seen it. There's <laughs> this one sketch with a, a horse farm that I just can't <laughs> I can't think of without laughing. So uh, I would encourage everybody to check that out. It's called I Think You Should Leave with Tim Robinson. That's on Netflix. And then the last thing, um, you know, I, like I said before, I was trying to avoid crossovers. So one thing that I think I've seen and maybe nobody else on the podcast has yet is uh, Guava Island, which is um, a short film that was created. Uh, by Hiro Mirai and uh, Donald Glover, and it stars Glover and uh, Rihanna, and it is basically like an extended music video um sort of like a uh, concert film kind of thing but like with a story around it like a purple rain or something like that um, and it's just uh, it's very stylish and you know anybody who likes the music of Childish Gambino especially the most recent stuff you know This Is America and um, Summertime and songs like that um, I think you'll find a lot to like here this is also a very short thing I think it's like less than an hour long so um, yeah not not too much of an ask for, uh, for anybody and that's on Amazon Prime Video right now so uh, yeah guys I think we did it I think we we, we talked about it and I'm, I'm looking forward to getting into our our full uh, list next month or maybe early july um to see sort of if you know what the what the crossover is amongst ourselves with the stuff that we talked about today and the stuff that actually ends up on that list because um i like with me and ht i know we we sort of uh put us off since we knew Jacob was gonna be talking about it but i wonder where some of the stuff is going to fall in the in the grand scheme of things. So, are there um, any immediate
2: regrets? Because I immediately regret not having the art of self defense somewhere
0: on my list. But oh well, yeah. it'll, it'll be on my it'll be on
2: my list next month for sure.
0: Yeah, I don't have any immediate regrets. Did you guys any as we were going along? Did you guys think of anything else you wish you would put on here?
3: I was thinking that I might have put some of my Tribeca films, the films I saw Tribeca on. I really like this South Korean film called House of Hummingbird, which. Would have probably made my list because it's definitely a better film than some of the, uh, than like Kingdom Hearts, for example, but <laughs> I, I don't regret it.
0: All right, Brad, anything, any regrets for you?
1: Um, I feel a little bad not putting John Wick Chapter 3 on my list just because I do love it so very much. Um, but I also did want to shine a light on some other things that I love this year that probably aren't going to get nearly as much of attention as John Wick is as a summer blockbuster. Mm-hmm. So just just know that I do love John Wick a lot.
0: <laughs> All right, good
1: to know. By
2: the way, and this is unrelated, but for those of you who are following the summer movie wager at home, John Wick is on track to make more money than Detective Pikachu, and my dreams are shattered of ever coming close to winning that game now. <laughs> yeah, I'm- you can check Oh, go
3: ahead. I'm not unhappy about that because I'm very excited that, dark, that John Wick um, just kind of came up as a dark horse and without, without any of our expectations. I don't think I even put it in my dark horse um, choices, but um, I am disappointed in my fellow millennials for failing me and not pushing Detective Pikachu to number three, but whatever, it's fine.
0: Yeah, anybody following along at home can go to thesummermoviewager.com to check out the uh, the standings and all of that stuff too. So um, I'll link to that in the show notes, and I'll actually link to all of Peter's Galaxy's Edge coverage uh, as well. I'll leave that in there from yesterday, so in case you missed the podcast yesterday and you're you want your uh, Galaxy's Edge fix. Peter's got you covered. So um, yeah, you can find that and uh, all the other stuff that we talked about today. I'm sure we have plenty of stories about everything that we've talked about uh, at SlashFilm.com. And I will link to some of them in the show notes. And SlashFilm Daily is published every weekday, bringing you the most exciting news from the world of movies and TV, as well as deeper dives into the great features you can find on the site. You can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Overcast, Spotify, all the popular podcast apps. Don't forget to send your feedback, questions, comments, and concerns to us at peter@slashfilm.com. At send us an email. Let us know uh, anything you got, whatever's on your mind. Let us know. Uh, leave your name and general geographic location in case we mention your email on the air, though that, that's really important. Also, if you could rate and review the podcast on iTunes, that helps us out a lot. Tell your friends, spread the word, and we will talk to you guys next week.